Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. Our youth ministry, how many we had um, in each category, and I can tell you we had at least three that were saved or rededicated their life to God. We had at least three that were filled with the Holy Spirit, and at least three that were called into uh, ministry. So, yeah, just incredible. So, I say that, I say that to just say that it's a worthy investment. It's such a worthy investment for all of you that gave, all of you that prayed, um, parents that let your kids go away for a week. I know it was kind of a vacation for you, but thanks anyway um, for letting them come because it was an amazingly powerful time. So thank you. Um, And then I think the last thing that I want to say before we jump into the message today, and I don't think that anybody can ever preach up here and not say this, but thank you, Mama Bird Connor, for giving me the opportunity to preach. (laughs) Go Mama Bird! <laughs> um, yeah, so just thank you for giving me the opportunity to preach. I really do have a message that God laid on my heart a couple weeks ago that he's been stirring um, in my heart, and I'm super, super excited to share it with you. So the title of my message this morning is Crossing the Jordan. Crossing the Jordan. So we're going to start it reading the beginning of Joshua. We're going to start at the end of Joshua chapter 2. And then go all the way to the beginning of Joshua chapter 4. So it's going to be a little bit of reading. Um, but there's not anything better to do than read, read the word of God anyway. Um, so before I read, I want to just give you a little bit of, of biblical context as to where we're jumping in. So we're going to be talking about the Israelites. Um, and this was after they were delivered from Egypt, after God delivered them from Egypt, and before they entered into the promised land. Um, if you'll remember, they sent 12 spies into the promised land to inspect it to see if it was, you know, ready for them to come in. Ten of them said no, only Joshua and Caleb said yes. Um, so as, as kind of their punishment that God gave them, they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Um, and this was right at the moment, or right after the moment that Joshua took over uh, leadership of the Israelites for Moses. So Moses has passed away. Joshua has just stepped up as leader, and they're getting ready to take the promise that God has for them. They're getting ready to enter into the promised land. And so we start with Joshua sending two spies into the land um, to, to investigate, to inspect it, to see if they're ready to go in. And that's where we're going to jump in at Joshua chapter 2, verse number 23. It says, Then the two spies came down from the hill country, crossed the Jordan River, and reported to Joshua all that had happened to them. The Lord has given us the whole land, they said, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out of your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, 
Today, I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Gagashites, Amorites, and Jebusites ahead of you. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the Ark of the Lord, uh, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of the water will be cut off upstream, and the river will stand up like a wall. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan. The priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, but the Jordan was flowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water at that point began backing up at a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbeds as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. This is chapter four. Promise we're almost done. Chapter 4, when all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at a place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each tribe of Israel, who told them, Go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone to carry it out on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. When We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So today, I want to use that long scripture, that story of the Israelites crossing the Jordan River and kind of the significance of what that was for them. For them, that wasn't just, oh, God's doing another thing. God's doing another uh, miracle. He's letting us cross the Jordan River. But it had significance to them because crossing the Jordan was the event that signified their transition into the promised land. It was the event that signified their transition into the promised land. It was that moment that they were able to transition into the promise that God has spoken to them. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. We're going to be talking about a transition into the promise of God that he has for our lives. So when we talk about transition, we're talking about going from one place or from one condition to another. I can think of transitions in life. Some of them are easy. Some of them are much more difficult. Um, in my opinion, there are three, um, three transitions that are more difficult maybe for married couples than anything else. And if you can get through these three things, then you can probably get through just about everything. Um, and if you've gone through these things, you'll know. Moving, remodeling, and having kids. Anybody ever done those things? Yeah. Everybody think that you can get through pretty much anything once you've done those? 
Those are probably some of the most difficult um, transitions that a married couple can go through. I know Haley and I have done a couple of those, and we made it. Don't worry. We made it. Um, It can be difficult. Transitions can be difficult. Some of them are easy. Some of them are hard. I know one transition that I was looking forward to. Looking back on it, I have no idea why I was looking forward to it. Um, But one transition that I was looking forward to is Titus moving from the baby phase to the toddler phase. I thought, man, it's going to be so great once he can talk, once he can tell me what's wrong, once he can, can tell me what's going on, what he needs, rather than just fussing and crying. It's going to be so much better once he can talk. And I know you that have already had kids and have already had toddlers, you're thinking, he's lost his mind. Why would he be looking forward to that? It was um, a few weeks ago when we were in the backyard. Um, Titus and I just got done playing on a slip and slide, and we were getting ready to cook some dinner. So I was picking up the slip and slide and putting it up. And so he was asking me, why can't we play on the slip and slide anymore? Why do you have to put the slip and slide up? And so I tried to respond to him. But by the time I got two words in, he was asking the question again. I couldn't even answer his question because he was too busy talking so much. Um, So church camp was a really nice break from that. Um, But there's transitions that we think we're going to enjoy until they happen. There's change that we think we're going to enjoy until we happen. Until the transition doesn't happen, until the results aren't exactly what we want. There's so many things that we would like to transition to in life. There are so many things that we say we would like to change. But in reality, transition's hard. Change is hard. So we've been talking this year. Connor's been talking to us a ton about God's promises. And so I want to continue that today by talking about how to transition into God's promises into our life, how to cross the Jordan River. So I'm going to give us just a few ways this morning from the word, from this uh, story that we read in Joshua uh, of how we can cross the Jordan, what it takes from us to cross the Jordan. So number one, what does it take from us if we're going to cross the Jordan, if we're going to transition into the promise? Number one, We have to decide if it's worth fighting for. We have to decide if it's worth fighting for. We didn't read it, but in Joshua chapter 2, the very beginning, the first verse, it talks about how Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp. He instructed them, scout the land on the other side of the Jordan, especially around Jericho. So the first thing that Joshua did when he came into leadership and he was looking at transitioning into God's promise is he said, go find out if this land is worth fighting for. Go find out if this is what we're supposed to be doing. And we read their report in verse 24. It said, the Lord has given us this whole land. They're afraid of us. If we're going to be able to transition into the promise that God has for our life, we have to first know what God's promises for us are. We can't make a decision on whether or not we're going to fight for God's promises if we aren't willing to spend time in the Word of God and spend time in prayer learning what God's promises are for our lives. I couldn't help when I was praying about this message and and thinking over this scripture and this story. I couldn't help but think about a uh, direct TV commercial that came on uh, TV about five years ago. Does anybody remember the Settlers direct TV commercials? Does anybody remember those? 
they were hilarious. I know I may have a little bit of a weird sense of humor, but they were so funny because they talked about how this, this family was settling for cable. They didn't want to have direct TV, so they were settling. So they made them look like they were settlers from the 1800s or something like that. One of my favorite episodes is there was a dad and a son in their front yard, and they were wearing, you know, like the gray and brown overalls that looked like they were 100 years old and they were dirty. And the dad was on a horse tilling his yard with a horse, except for his yard was like a field. So they took their quarter of an acre property or whatever, and they made it into a field. So the dad was tilling the yard with a horse, and so the son asked, why, why can't we have direct TV? Why do we have to have cable? So the dad says, well, we're settlers, son, and we settle for things. Now go churn some butter and make your own clothes. And so they were just ridiculous commercials. But I can't help but think how often are we the settlers? How often are we settling for less than God's promise for our life? How often are we settling to stay in the wilderness and eat the manna rather than crossing the Jordan River into the promise that God has for our life? How often are we settling for comfort? Oh, I've done this before. I'm comfortable doing this. I know how to live my life in this bubble. I know how to talk to these people that are around me. How often do we settle? How often do we settle for convenience? Saying, well, this is how I've always been. I don't really feel like changing. I don't really feel like stepping outside of the box, doing anything new. So I'm just going to stay in the wilderness. I'm not going to worry about crossing the Jordan. I'm not going to worry about, trans, uh, about moving into the promise, transitioning into the promise that God has for our life. How often do we read the word of God and we settle for less than what it says? We settle for less than God's best for our life. Can I tell you this morning that God's promises for us are worth fighting for? They're worth fighting for. They're not worth us settling for less than God's promises. They're worth fighting for. And, you know, I don't remember reading anywhere in the Word of God where the Israelites went from town to town with everyone just giving up to the Israelites, just giving them all of their possessions, giving them all of their people, giving them their armies. I remember reading where the Israelites went from city to city fighting for the promise that God had for their life. Because God's promise is worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for. And you know what I think we need to do? I think we need to stop making excuses for why God's promise isn't for us. It's time for us to stop making excuses. It's time for us to stop saying, well, my past is too bad. I've made too many mistakes. I've failed too many times. I've done this wrong. I've done that wrong. My boss has said this about me. My parents have said this about me. My coworkers have said this about me. My friends have said this about me. The promise of God can't be for me. It's time for us to stop making excuses because God's promise is for you. It is for me. It is for us, and it is worth fighting for. But we're only going to be able to fight for it if we know what it is. We have to spend time in his word. We have to spend time in his presence focusing on God and what he has for us, and then we have to fight, 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 fight for the promise, just like the Israelites did. So that's number one. Decide if the promise is worth fighting for. Number two, if we're going to cross the Jordan, if we're going to trans, if we're going to transition into the promise, then we have to go where we've never been. We have to go 
where we've never been. I love what it said in Joshua, Joshua chapter 3, verses 2 through 4. It said, three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out of your positions and follow them. And then this verse 4 is what gets me. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. The only way that the Israelites were able to cross the Jordan and transition into the promised land, into the promise that God has for them, was by going somewhere that they've never been before. And the same is true with us. That's the only way that we're going to be able to enter into God's promise for our life is by going somewhere that we've never been before. I know most of you probably know Haley and I's story uh, of we grew up in Jonesboro, we moved to Cincinnati, and then we moved here. Um, But we had a moment with God after I graduated school where God was calling us somewhere that we'd never been before. He was calling us to move to Cincinnati. We had never been to Cincinnati before. We'd never visited Cincinnati before. We'd driven through there only to get to, to Haley's grandparents' house, but we'd never been there before. So God was calling us somewhere new and somewhere different. And we had a stack of excuses this tall. You know, Titus is only three or four months old. We don't have any family up there. What if, what if we need somebody to help out with Titus? All of our immediate family, or all of my immediate family, and Haley's parents are in Jonesboro. What do we do in moving somewhere new? So we could have used excuses to say, God, this isn't right. God, I have reasons why I shouldn't follow you somewhere new. But we didn't use those excuses. We said, okay, God, you opened up a door. You opened up a job for me. We feel like you're releasing us to Cincinnati. And can I tell you that even in the moment when you feel like God's maybe missed it, when you feel like God's crazy, when his plan doesn't make sense to you, it always makes sense to him. Because he can see so much more. He can, he can understand so much more than we can see. So I can tell you after the fact that moving to Cincinnati was absolutely the best thing for Haley and I. We were able to strengthen our marriage in ways that we never would have if we'd have stayed in Jonesboro. We had ministry opportunities that we wouldn't have had in Jonesboro. We were able to go through life experiences that not only make us the pastors we are today, but make us the people we are today. And it's only because we were willing to go somewhere that we've never been before. And so hear me, I'm not telling all of you to go move somewhere. Please don't. Please, please don't go move somewhere. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is God may be calling you to a new season. Just because God tells you to go to a new job, to go to a new school, to enter into a new season of life, to do something that you've never done before, to go somewhere that you've never been before, it doesn't mean God's crazy just because you don't understand. It just means that his plan is so much bigger than yours. And he can see so much more than you can. But, but maybe when I say, maybe when I say go somewhere where you've never been before, maybe, maybe for you that's not a new season. Maybe for you that's your intimacy in your relationship with God. Maybe God's wanting to, wanting to take you somewhere with him that you've never been before. Maybe he's wanting to take you somewhere in, your, in his word that you've never been before. Maybe he's wanting to take you to a new level of intimacy, a new level of closeness, a new level of openness that you've never been before. And the only way that you're going to see God's promises fulfilled in your life and trans, 
uh, transition into the promised land is by investing in him. Or maybe when I say go where you've never been before, maybe, maybe for you that's a pruning process. Maybe there's something in your life that you're holding on to that God wants to strip off of you. I love the verse Colossians 3.10, and I share this with our students pretty often. Colossians 3.10 says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. And I love that scripture so much because I can just see in my head the things of this world, the sins and our past mistakes and everything that we've done in our life just being stripped off of us and us taking this big coat of this new life and putting it on and walking with God every single day. So maybe when God wants to take you somewhere new, maybe that's, be, maybe that's meaning that he's wanting to take something out of your life. He's wanting to prune something off of your life. And if you look at the Israelites, they had to wait for Moses to be pruned before Joshua could take over and they could enter into the promised land. It wasn't until Joshua took over that they could actually cross the Jordan and enter into the promise that God had for them. They had to go somewhere they'd never been before. Our, our speaker at youth camp, Jamie Montero, said something um, that really interests me on Monday night. He said this statement. He said, sometimes we get so fixated on perfecting where we are that we completely miss where God is taking us. We get so fixated on perfecting where we are that we completely miss the new place that God is trying to take us. How often are we so focused on perfecting our job or perfecting uh, our personality or perfecting our skills or perfecting where we are that we completely miss the calling that God has for us? He says, go, 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 go. We say, I'm not done here yet. I'm not done here yet. If we'll just listen to him, even when it sounds crazy, even when it doesn't make sense, even when we think that the new place that he's calling us isn't right, can I tell you just to trust in God? Because what would have happened if the Israelites decided, you know, we've never been across the Jordan before, so let's just stay here. Let's stay in the wilderness. Let's just stay here a little bit longer. They never would have been able to enter into the promised land. They never would have seen God's promise fulfilled in their life. They never would have transitioned into the promise of God for their life. We have to be willing to go where we've never been before. Go where we've never been before. And number three, number three, if we're going to cross the Jordan, if we're going to transition into the promised land, into the promise that God has for our life, we have to get our feet wet. We have to get our feet wet. The Israelites couldn't cross the Jordan without the priests carrying the ark, getting their feet wet, sticking their feet in the water. They couldn't just walk up to the water and say, well, God, if you really want to do this, I'm just going to wait until you part it. They had to step into the water. They had to get their feet wet. And we have to be willing to step out in faith and step out in trust if we're going to see God's promise fulfilled in our life. No matter what it is, no matter how crazy it is, we have to be willing to step out in faith. One of the most, I'll call it interesting, um, things that I saw at camp 
uh, we were out on the softball field, uh, and I was watching some, some kids play. And there was a kid that I don't think he'd ever seen a baseball bat before. Um, I don't guess ever watched baseball, ever watched softball, anything like that. But he gets up there. He's going to get his feet wet. He's going he's gonna to step out of there. So he walks up to the plate. You're supposed to stand away from the plates, you know, so you can swing at the ball. Okay, well, this kid's on the plate, just standing there, waiting to get hit. He's got his hands about this far apart on the bat, like he's going to sling it like a sledgehammer or something. I, I don't know what he was doing. But I kid you not, as awkward as it looked, this kid swings the bat. Let's go with one hand. Swings the bat one-handed slams the ball to the outfield. He looked like he'd never seen a baseball bat before, but it was one of the greatest hits that I saw while I was at camp that week. I was just mind blown. I was like, how? It looked like this kid had never played baseball before, like he was just doing it for the first time, like he was just stepping out, like he was just getting his feet wet, but he did it. And because he stepped out, he was able to do something incredible. So I think... If somebody can hit a softball, then we can be willing to step out and get our feet wet and place our trust in God and allow him to do some incredible, incredible things through our life. Are we willing to step into the Jordan? Or are we letting fear control our lives? Are we willing to step into the Jordan? I can promise you, when those priests stepped into the water, they weren't worrying about what's going to happen if the water doesn't part. They weren't worrying about what other people were going to say about them or say about their families if the water didn't part. Because they stepped into the water with an expectation. They stepped into the water with an expectation knowing that God was going to move, knowing that God was going to part the water. They weren't worried about what somebody else was going to say about them. They didn't let fear control them, and we can't let fear control us either. We can't let our fear of what somebody else is going to say or what somebody else is going to think control us. We can't let fear of failure control our lives. Because can I, can I tell you the truth? When we step out in faith and when we're willing to get our feet wet, the result of our faith isn't up to us. The result of our faith is not up to us. What's up to us is to provide the faith for God to move, and the rest is on him. So next time you want to step out, next time you want to get your feet wet, don't let fear, don't let worry overcome you and say, well, what happens if I fail? Because you can't fail if you have faith. Because even though the situation may not turn out like you want, even though people may not respond like you want them to, God's moving. God's moving. God will part the waters. God will allow you to cross the Jordan into the promised land, into the promise that he has for your life. He'll allow you to transition if you'll just be willing to get your feet wet, if you'll just be willing to have a little faith. The Israelites weren't afraid to transition. We have to stop living our lives in fear and realize that we have the one inside of us who conquers all fear, who's already paid for our victory, that we won't fail if we have faith. We have to step out with expectation. When I first started praying about this message that God gave me, 
um, about crossing the Jordan. I was like, oh, crossing the Jordan. They had to, they had to go cross this river that God had to part. We're going to be talking about some kind of an obstacle um, or something like that, some obstacle they had to overcome. But God quickly shift, shifted my perspective of it from seeing the Jordan River as an obstacle to seeing the Jordan River as an opportunity for transition. And I, I think it's time that we start living our lives looking for opportunity. That we start being willing to step out and look for opportunities for people to share God's love with. Not waiting for somebody to come up to us and ask us about Jesus, but taking Jesus to them. Being willing to show people love even when it's hard. Looking for opportunity to show love. Looking for opportunities to serve people even when we don't want to serve. Looking for opportunities. Looking for opportunities to pray for people. I think that's one of the probably most difficult um, faith moments that Christians have is, is praying for people. Because we say, what happens if I pray for somebody and they don't get healed? What happens if I pray for somebody and whatever it is that I'm praying for, what happens if, what happens if God doesn't move? Then I'm going to look ridiculous. Then I'm going to look like I'm not a real Christian or that I don't have a relationship with God or that, that I completely missed what God was trying to say and do in the situation. But if we're willing to pray with expectation, look for opportunities to pray with expectation, then no matter the result, no matter what happens, no matter if they're healed, freed, delivered, no matter what happens in their life, you can be sure that God showed up. You can be sure that God moved in their life and made an impact in their life. If we'll just look for opportunities, if we'll just look for opportunities, we have to get our feet wet. We have to look for opportunities to get our feet wet if we're going to be able to transition into the promises that God has for our life. And then the last thing this morning is we're kind of closing. If we're going to transition, or once we've transitioned into the promise that God has for our life, once we've crossed the Jordan, what's next? What do we do? What do we do once we cross the Jordan? Well, we can look at the Israelites, and we can look exactly what they did in Joshua 4, verse 6 and 7. So this is right after they crossed the Jordan, right after they transitioned to the promise that God had for them. Verse 6, we will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Once we've crossed the Jordan, once we've crossed into the promise that God has for our life, once we've transitioned into the promised land, we have to make a memorial. We see in our culture all the time, uh, we see awards given out. Uh, as memorials for, for different things and different activities. At the end of camp every year, they, they give out some awards, mostly ridiculously silly, but they give out some awards. Uh, we had a student that won one last year. Uh, Maddie Nance won the Two Eyes and Two Feet Award because she has two eyes and two feet. So they give out awards. They make memorials just as a way to remember the week. My favorite one that they do, my favorite one that they do, is they ask for two volunteers, a little, usually a 12 or 13-year-old boy and a 12 or 13-year-old girl, and they ask them to come to the front, not telling them what the award is. Um, and then once they get up there, they do this every year. 
people haven't caught on yet. I, I don't understand. So they ask for a, a small girl and a small boy to come up to the front. And then once they're standing there together, they flip it on the screen. Cutest couple award. They don't know each other. They're not a couple. But it's just, as a, it's just a way to make a memorial of the week, to remember the week, to remember the things that God did in friendships and in the lives of the students. It shows us in verses 21 and 20 through 24 what the memorial stood for, what the memorial stood for that, that the Israelites built uh, to remember that they crossed the Jordan. Verse 21 of chapter 4, Then Joshua said to the Israelites, The future of your children will ask, What do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until all were across, just as he, just as he did at the Red Sea. When he dried it up until we had all crossed over, he did this so that all the nations of the earth might know the Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. So three Three reasons why they made a memorial. Number one, to show that God still moves. There's so much symmetry between the, the parting of the Red Sea and the parting of the Jordan River. They wanted to make a note that God still moves. Forty years later, God still moves. And can I just encourage you? God still moves today. God still moves today. Just like he did for the Israelites, when they crossed the Red Sea, when they crossed the Jordan River, when they entered into the Promised Land, God still moves moves. One of the most encouraging scriptures in the word of God, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means the miracles that happened then are still happening now. That the way that God moved then, he's still moving now. He's still making an impact now. A memorial reminds us that God still moves. A memorial reminds us of God's power how powerful he is, the, the incredible things that he's done in our life that transitioned us into the promise that he had for us. And it teaches us fear of God. That's the third thing. It teaches us fear of God. It teaches us to have an exalted view of God and, and to respond humbly not trusting in ourselves, but trusting in him because of his majesty, because of how awesome he is, how much love and how much grace he has for our life. It's so important for us to make a memorial in our life because once we've crossed the Jordan, once we've transitioned into the promised land, I guarantee you there will be people or the enemy will come against you and say, oh, that didn't really happen. You didn't really cross the Jordan. That was just an emotional response. God missed it. You didn't really get healed. You're still dealing with that. You didn't really get freed. Your kid didn't really get saved. Whatever promise happened, they're going to say, it didn't really happen. But if we'll make a memorial, if we'll remember the moment, if we'll write it down, if we'll tell somebody, if we'll put it out there for the world to know, then there won't be any second guessing. Like the Israelites did, pile up the stones, make a memorial showing what God has done. I know for me personally, when I was 10 or 11 years old, God filled me with the Holy Spirit. 
But it was only a week or two later, and the enemy came at me saying that promise that I had wasn't real. He said, you didn't, you didn't have the emotional response that other people had. You didn't scream. You didn't cry. You didn't have the response that other people had, so you didn't really get filled. And he'll do that. He'll come at you. He'll try to steal your promise from you. John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's going to try to steal and kill and destroy what God has done in your life, but he can't if you'll make a memorial. Don't let anyone take from you what God has given you. Don't let anybody tell you that you haven't crossed the Jordan. Don't let anybody steal your promise. Don't let the enemy steal your promise from you. Make a memorial of the moment. Make a memorial of the moment. If everybody will bow your heads and close your eyes this morning, I just want to do this as a way of, of focus. Just a way of focus.